The Collaborating Conversation podcast is for avid book readers, book lovers, and authors. Listen to this podcast as we talk more about the art of writing, stories behind books, and the hands that created them. So stay tuned and enjoy our show. Welcome to the Collaborating Conversations podcast. Today's episode is part two of the Founder Series Deep Dive by author Emmanuel M. Ariaga. The nature-nurture debate type of thing, like is it family, is it where you're raised, is it your religion, is it this, is it that? Yeah, I mean, she ends up becoming, you know, a devout, um, uh, uh, a devout warrior, you know, driven by vengeance, right? Um, which is counterculture to um, Dosman society, where it's, they're not they're not necessarily not religious. They just, you know, their values are different. And so, um, you know, like they're not driven by vengeance, they're driven by harmony, they're driven by peace, they're driven by, um, you know, intellectual pursuits, right? So the Dasfin are the most technologically advanced species in the galaxy. Um, you know, they were the first spacefaring species in the galaxy, right? And so they, they observed all the other species developed and quickly realized that, you know, conflict and war was a thing, right? Because they, their society, you know, was, was built on this harmonious structure, you know, you go around being the galaxy and you find out how, how much violence there is. Yeah. And that's pretty, and that's exactly what happened to them. Right. And so, you know, they, they, they they developed as this, this, uh, non-gendered species, you know, so they didn't have gender differences. Uh, and because of that, you know, a lot of the conflict that's, you know, spawned because of gender differences or, or conflict, you know, and a lot of other species, they didn't have to deal with that. And they really focused on being harmonious. And they, you know, one of the things that's unique around their species is they have telepathic connections with each other, right? And they have, you know, these telepathic connections are very strong. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it causes them to be emotionally in tune with each other to a level that other species aren't right. And so, you know, if you can sense the emotions of the person next to you, you know, you're more likely to try to have positive emotions with that person because those negative emotions can affect you. Right. And so from the human perspective, empathy can only take you so far versus if you could feel what the other person's feeling, you'd be able to relate so much more. Exactly. Yeah. And so their, their whole species it, you know, all these special circumstances lead to them being a harmonious society that, you know, has not known conflict in the way that the rest of the galaxy has. And, you know, and so when they start, you know, you know, it allows them to progress technologically very quickly and become the first spacefaring species in the galaxy. You know, and then when they go out and they start observing other species, they see conflict, they see war, they see death, they see destruction. You know, and they basically have to adapt and they create, you know, these massive drone fleets, you know, because even even in war, they don't they don't want to risk the lives of, of other Dasfen, Right. And so they, you know, they use their technological advancement to build these massive drone armadas that, you know, risk no Dasfen life, but can, you know, counter and fight, you know, massive fleets of enemies. Right. And so they use this like technological advancement to to protect themselves because they have no interest in conquest or dominance. Right. And so it's just like super advanced species that just wants to keep to themselves. Right. <laughs> so like, you know, no one really messes with them because it's just like, you're going to start a war with the Dasfin that you're going to lose. Right. And so, you know, they, you know, they keep to themselves for the most part as a lot more species come on, uh, you know, come onto the galactic scene, you know? Um, First thing I and so, yeah. And so it's, that's, um, 
I was going to say the first thing when you said that is like when they come online, but it's like, nope, when you join the galactic space front. <laughs> yeah. And I introduced a lot of the, you know, they're, they're, you know, they do a lot of genetic editing for themselves to make themselves more compatible with other species across the galaxy. Right. You know, so the Dasven, you know, view this whole, like they view themselves as it's easier to maintain peace when you can, you know, when you can actually procreate with other species. Right. And so they genetically engineer themselves to be able to do that. And that's revealed slowly throughout the second novel where they're actually, um, they, they make, they make those biological changes in their future generations in order to improve relations between them and other species across the galaxy. And so it's just an interesting concept because it's like, you know, uh, it's, it's hinted at in the first novel, you know, Flynn Rett saying the line, you know, some, you know, some species that, you know, previously shed blood, you know, now live together. Right. And so it's like the Dasman understand that very well and engineer their society around that. Um, I know, so this is completely off topic, but would be super cool is to have a um, kind of like a metadata for the book when you write a book, since you're, you're an author, this would be a very curious idea. Um, when you're writing the book, you add metadata to say like female voice or like basically add tags to every character so that a program could go through later and read the voices in like different, each character would get assigned an artificial voice and it would be female, male, or, you know, something in between for the non-binary type of folks. And then you could literally produce a, you know, fully casted book all through, um, you know, robotic means. Obviously I'm biased cause I just want to listen to it. Um, I don't want all the voice actors to go out of a job, but that'd be an easy way to, <laughs> to make a book, uh, audio, make a book, audio, an audio full cast book. Yeah. But <clears throat> jumping back, I, this is what excites me about the series is I see the potential, the lore and the world building you've done is amazing. So my question for you is where did this all come from? How did you begin and how did you develop this massive world? You know, in this previous discussion, we're talking about, you know, one race and how many races have you made for this book series so far? Uh, a lot. Um, let me see. So how do you do your David? Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, I'm just, uh, there are not counting hybrids, um, cause hybrids are, are usually genetically instances where, um, species have genetically engineered themselves to procreate with other species. And it leads to these hybrid species that have unique characteristics and are kind of their own species in some ways. And so there are the darble, which is a species that I introduced in the first book, um, they're, they're the, the Darble Alliance is the, the ma other major competing alliance um, in the Twin Galaxies, which is the, uh, the, the, the place where the stories take place. Uh, it's two colliding galaxies. I thought that would be an interesting concept to play with. It doesn't so much uh, come into an instance now, but future novels will play with the passage of time and how that kind of plays out um, with two colliding galaxies. Um, the effects of gravity on planets and one planet being spun out of its, you know, Goldilocks zone or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there, there are things, I mean, the time scale that that stuff operates at is so massive, yeah. but you know, it's a, it's a concept that I want to play with. And so like thinking through how to do that. So there's the Darbo who are completing a competing Alliance, um, you know, and there are these lizard like people, um, you know, who, who, who have lizard characteristics and they lead this other galactic alliance made up of um, the uh, 
um, the lek. Uh, uh, sorry, it's the they're made up of the um, um, of the Gorn, the Kinjahazul, and the Numi, which are some other species that I haven't introduced yet in the series. And then there's the Dosvan, who we just talked about. There's the Hoxum, um, which are this very interesting species. Um, I actually just got some character art um, finalized for um, Amaria to show what a Hoxum looks like because they're a very interesting species. They don't have hair. They have like crystalline formations in their head and they're a short species. They, you know, they're very short, almost teenager-like in their appearance, um, but they... They they their their familial units are very interesting because they don't don't they don't have the concept of family. They have um you know there's no there's no social structure. Uh, they're they're very interesting, very interesting, controversial species. Um, Sounds like here's, that'd be a lot of potential to play around with. Yeah, I, I play around. That actually comes out in the um, you know, comes out in um. It comes out in the uh, in the story in the um, yeah. So like this, this is Amaria, um, and so you can see like crystalline crystalline features. Um, they have blue skin. They have diamond like eyes. So very very different when compared to other species. Um, so yeah, that, that's what a hoxum looks like. Nice. Um, and so that's Amaria. Um, and then uh, other species um, is the uh, the Kentar. And so the Kentar are these um, these hawking um, these hawking creatures um, actually have um, another piece of art for Herberbook Tom, who's this awesome character I introduced in the um, in the second book. He's the first Kentar Founders Elite. Um, and um, so this is an example of him. Yeah, this is one of my favorite art pieces um, because it just, he's this really wise, calm and collected person because he's a monk. Uh, he's a, a Nistif, which is a, a, a form of monk. But, you know, when he's in combat, he becomes like this unstoppable machine. And so this picture shows him in combat, you know, and it's just like, I always loved it. I always loved monks in fantasy and, you know, uh, D&D lore, because I think like they're one of the coolest, one of the coolest classes where, you know, you, the, like their weapons are their fists, right? And they can just do impossible feats of acrobatics and, you know, really just, you know, devastating effectiveness, right? And they're just people. And so it's like the, the ultimate honing of mind and body to become like these ultimate warriors, right? And so I wanted to I wanted to create a Nistif monk because they have four arms. So there's the they're the large furry people, um, uh, you know, fur covered people with uh, you know like orcish features um, with uh, four arms, and they you know um, and they are just like uh, really hulking behemoths. Um, and, you know, super fast metabolisms, you know, very, very, um, uh, you know, there's a, you know, there's a joke in the series where it's just like, you're never going to find a, a, 
a fat Kentar uh, because their metabolisms are too high. Uh, <laughs> you know, so it's just like these uh, these hulking, you know, uh, almost warrior warrior species, you know, and so they're very, you know, because they have high metabolisms, they're very short lived. So they're one of the shortest lived species in the um in the twin galaxies um i think they they're they're right around there with um um they're a little bit they're a little bit longer lived than the ori which are another series series the ori um which are the shortest actually the ori are the shortest lived so you know another high metabolism species but they um they the kentar are a little bit longer lived than them but you know same concept uh and so the ori are cat-like people and they are have an image of Tashinira, who's one of who's the um the Ori member of the um founders elite. Looking for an exciting space adventure book? A romantic young adult story and a fantastic sci-fi read? Get The Fondra by award-winning author Emmanuel M. Ariaga today and prepare to feed your imagination with never-ending thrill ride. These are the two rifles or the two pistol machine guns, right? Or something like that? Yeah, so she's she has... Um, she's super acrobatic. She's super acrobatic, very talented um, with with um, dual wielding pistols, um, and so she, um, you know, she can. Uh, and so she's she's what's called a wopon, but yeah, her species is the ori, so cat like, um, more of an anthropomorphic um, type of species. So you know, cat like features but humanoid appearance, um, and uh, the. Um, Another species, the Husians. So Husians are the dominant species in the Twin Galaxy, um, and they are um, very similar in appearance to humans. The main difference being that Husians are very tall um, and more muscular uh, due to the high gravity on their planet. Um, and so, you know, the three founders of the Husian Empire are Husians. Um, you know, and this, this is actually a piece that I had created for Syslot. Yeah, this is Syslot. Yeah, this is what I find so fascinating. You clearly put so much work into the lore and the character development. Where did all that, where did all these ideas come from? How did you start? And, you know, this is clearly a well-developed world. That's what I, I like about um, I like science, fan, science fiction so much because the world building and character development, and you've clearly put a lot of time and energy into making sure you have different characters, different species. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the you know a lot of it's just I I've always wanted to you know build a universe, right? And so you know I you know heavily influenced by fantasy and science fiction you know and 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 if you look at those genres right they the good genres where they have good world building you know you have entire species of people that are different and unique you know from from our own right and you can kind of play around with you know different characteristics like so for Husians for example they have these you know they're called Escher marks you know their care you know characteristic is you know they can bulge or you know twitch um 
that it's it's just a you know an aspect of of their biology you know and they are um they have glands that they are able to um make use of you know that allow them to do things um you know like um you know secrete um you know like neurostimulants and things like that uh and so they you know that 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 doesn't really come out in the first novel even though it, it happens i don't explicitly talk about it but you know it's how like you know limerady is able to drop into like an intense focus you know in the second book actually you know show like him using his glands more um you know in different situations to you know um you know so they're you know they're a species that you know has one done pretty extensive genetic modification on themselves right um you know but you know they they're, they're kind of like the you know if there's a you know if you think about like a super advanced species right like you know they you know and you know similar to the dos fan right like they they do extensive genetic modification to themselves and their future generations that improve the prospects for their for their for their species right and so the the Husian and the Dasven share that that mindset, and so Husians like Dasven, you know, are able to procreate with a lot of other species across the galaxy because they view it as a form of dominance, mm. you know, to be able to assimilate other cultures into their their empire. Mm. Uh, and they have a lot of species that are, you know, have been uh, you know adopted into their empire. The Ori being you know one of the major ones that are still part of the Husian Empire. You know, they gave freedom. To a lot of, you know, it's kind of like the British Empire, right? They gave freedom to a lot of the species that, you know, that they had subjugated and taken over territory for, you know, but they still have the Ori as part of their empire, you know? So, like, the Ori are not a separate people. They are part of the Husian Empire. Um, And so, you know, because of that, you know, the Ori are ingrained in Husian culture, um, just like Husian people and just like humans. Humans have, um, you know have have um have been woven into the culture and that's another you know the humans are interesting in this universe because the humans are not humans like me and you right like i mean they look like me and you but their 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 origin is very different right and so they um you know they come from the other galaxy you know that that a lot of the story hasn't taken place in you know so there there are twin galaxies um that are colliding but most of the story actually takes place in one of the galaxies, one of the galactic, um, one of the galactic sides. Actually, have a map. Actually, have official maps now, which is pretty cool. <laughs> the the person who did my um, the, a lot of the artwork for the second book for the for the print version and digital version actually created a lot of um, art for me. Um, you know, for redid a lot of these maps. <clears throat> it's like this is the galactic map. Uh, and so this is very different from what, what, um, the previous map looked like in the first book. Um, it's not how I envisioned the two galaxies coming together. I can admit envisioned it like more, uh, vertical, one vertical, one horizontal. Yeah. And so this, this is the two galaxies kind of colliding and the, the, the original image, you know, um, was similar, but this one, um, you know, the two galactic pores haven't necessarily collided yet. So you can see they're still kind of distinct. And the edges are what have collided. And so you can kind of see there's this mesh of, there's this mesh of, you know, the, the ends of the galaxies coming together. Is that where the other rim is? I don't see that on the map. Huh? Okay. Now I see the outer rim. Okay. My bad. Yeah. Yeah. The outer rim's here. So it's this, this part right here. Okay. 
So you can see the other galactic empires. So here's the Husing Alliance. Here's the Darble Alliance. So you can see that, you know, in, in scale, they are almost as large as. And then there's the Luxemini Empire, the Kuvan Empire, and the Jensorenta Empire, which I actually talk about more in the third book um, because there's a war, a big war that happens between the Husing Alliance and these three empires who kind of band together to fight the Husing Alliance. Um, 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 but, uh, you know, and there's other areas that I haven't really talked about yet, but there are other empires, there are other species that are in these areas that I'll show up in much later books. But, you know, so this, this map will expand over time, but you can see in this other galaxy, the galaxy, the galaxies are called OFNS Raka. So the twin galaxies is actually, the actual name is OFNS Raka and it's the galaxy OFN and a galaxy S Raka. Mm. Uh, and so, um, and so a lot of the, um, a lot of the human story is in the OFN galaxy, whereas most of, you know, or all of, you know, the founder series so far has taken place in Asraka. Mm. Um, and that's where Husing Alliance is and all the, the narrative. <laughs> um, and so there, there's the remnants of the human Republic, which, um, the home planet had been Guinea. Guinea was destroyed by Soak. And so that was, um, you know, he just, you know, that's how he got his name, you know, the planet killer, you know, the destroyer of worlds because he actually, and I, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mystery <laughs> as to how he did it. I mean, I know how he did it, <laughs> but I haven't like fully explained like how this, you know, this powerful Cephas was able to destroy a planet because it seems like a pretty impossible feat. Um, but I, I plan to explain more of what that history is um, in prequel in a prequel series that will, you know, that'll come, that'll come after an, an, a, another few novels. I actually plan to go back and. So how many novels are kind of already free, like not pre-made, but you have the outline or the gist of what you want to talk about in them. Yeah. I have the main uh, story, story arcs and um, details. I have, you know, I have the full, I have the full series mapped out from start to finish. Um, you know, so I know how it all began and I know how it all ends. Uh, and so, um, and then what comes after the end intent, um, but, uh, the, um, what? you know, it's, it's, um, you know, I won't get into that, but, uh, the, um, well, you, before the beginning and before the end, you have to go to the prequel because yeah, the prequel, the prequel talks, I, I have pre, I have multiple prequel series plans. So I have the prequel series plan for Sox origins, which really gets into the human story. You know, because when the Founders series opens up, humans are just, you know, part of the Husian Empire. Uh, and it's not really explained, like, how they became part of the Husian Empire, why they're not their own empire. You know, they seem to be very numerous and populous, you know, almost as as numerous and populous as the Husians. So it's like, you know, how did this massive species, you know, you know, that we're very familiar with, right? Like being humans, you know, how did they come to be part of the Husian Empire? And so there's a there's a long detailed story there that explains that history and how they came to be part of the Husian Empire. Because the Hus the human homeworld um is um New Guinea, which orbits uh which is a moon that's been terraformed that orbits um Thai, the Husian homeworld. And so the Husian homeworld is orbited by the human homeworld. Um and so, you know, that came to be, you know, by, for reasons. Uh, and so, you know, I get into those reasons in that prequel, 
Um, and then um, I also have a prequel series plan for talking about the origins of the Husian Empire. So, you know, the division war that I talk about throughout the first novel and I get into more of it in the, you know, the third novel, you know, between the Husians and Tuzans, because there's some, there's a lot of history there. Um, you know, cause if you think about, you know, this is one of those areas where, you know, you think about interjecting societal issues, right? Like probably a good segue to talk about the Tuzans, you know, so the Tuzans are by all, for all intents and purposes, the same species as the Husians, but they consider, and the Husians consider them to be a different species. They, and well, so the names sound very, very similar. And I'm probably just conjecturing here, like the, the Hootsies versus the Tutsis type of thing. Right. Like it sounds very similar that they sound the same and you're saying they're the same race, but they, it's intentional. Yeah. yeah they're, they're, they are the same species. Yeah. Uh, and so they, here's, you know, the only difference between the two literally is, um, the Husen, you know, remember how the Husens had these extra marks that went down the sides of their head. Well, the Tuzans have extra marks that go down the, the front of their face. And so, um, but they're called muncher marks. Uh, and so the, the Husians call their marks Esha marks. The Tuzans calls theirs muncher marks. And so this is an image of Tiravis, the ageless empire, uh, the ageless emperor of the Tuzan empire. Uh, and so I, this was, uh, you know, it shows, it shows, it's the first image I created of a Tuzan with my, my artists. Um, I have this great artist out of Nigeria who does a lot of my, who does all my art. I was about to say at this point, do you have them on retainer since you have a lot of artwork now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have a go-to person. So me and him have a pretty good relationship. And he I, I love his art style. And his art style has become the Foundra universe art style. Um so when does it become an anime or a manga? <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I'd I'd love to be able to hire him full time and just, you know, have him create stuff, but you know, that takes resources and, you know, the series being a lot more successful than it is. And he loves working on my stuff, right? He pings me all the time. He's just like, Hey, you want to work on new characters? <laughs> Cause he loves, he loves the characters, I guess, that he's created for my universe and just, um, you know, uh, we work so well together. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, you know, are you comfortable uh, discussing kind of the, this like the financial side of like starting your own book series and like, cause obviously this has been a big investment in time and energy and finances. Yeah. Maybe let's save that for a, a separate call. Cause it's just, there's a lot there. <laughs> I believe it, but I think it's very curious, especially if people have an interest in how our series and how things get started. Cause you're kind of in the pre, I wouldn't say it's, you're not, you, you haven't gone the like um, Baba verse or the Martian level just yet, but you definitely I see the potential there and I see it becoming, I can see it becoming massive, but I'm also, I'm listening to any and every sci-fi book out there. So I love the genre and I just, I want more of it. I can't get enough. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this one, check out part three of today's episode on Spotify, Google podcast and Apple podcast. Please subscribe to our podcast for more books and inspiring stories of today's authors.